This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Welcome to the show and in our special guest interview today, we've got the legend that is Jody Paydar. Jody, hello to you. Hey, how are you? Splendid. I can call you legend. You've been in this game a long time. For people that haven't come across you, and I can't believe there are not many, Jody, just give us a flavor of some of the things you've been involved in over the years. I think the funny thing is, is I'm the radical CPA and there are very few branded CPAs, right? So that's one thing. I've written a couple of books. Um, I've recently really gone into the startup world, which has been fun and exciting. And ultimately, I began my career like at a regular um, accounting uh, firm, uh, seven partners, you know, doing my thing. And then I left them and uh, I started my own firm and I had my own firm for 15 years. So I think I've done everything now that you could possibly do in the accounting space. <laughs> well, you'd think you've done everything, but you managed to find more things to do. And you've recently been involved in a, a few changes over the last couple of years. So just talk us through your career over the last two or three years and where you are now. In 20. 20, right before the pandemic, I sold my firm to Botkeeper and Botkeeper um, was an artificial, well, it still is an artificial intelligence machine learning company for bookkeeping, right? And my belief in why I joined Botkeeper at the time is because I do believe the bookkeeping function will be automated, right? People say, oh, it's coming, it's coming. It's not coming, it's here. So <laughs> you don't have to wait for it to come. The question is, is when you want to adopt those changes, right? So automation is making such a big difference in our space. I was of the early automation train in the cloud, you know, almost 20 years. If I say 20 years, man, that makes me so old. But if I say 20 years ago when the cloud first started coming out, that was really when I began, like, kind of disrupting the profession and changing things. And then, you know, when I started to hear about this thing called AI, I realized, okay, this is what's next. This is, I'll say, cloud 2.0 or cloud 3.0. This is what's going to be the shift that really changes the accounting profession. And I thought the cloud was going to do it. And yeah, I'm still waiting on the cloud. So <laughs> it hasn't done it. However, AI is doing it. It's changing things. So, so I was at Botkeeper a couple of years. And then um, I was recruited to join a new tech startup called April, which is going after taxes in the consumer space. But we're going to be using artificial intelligence, machine learning to essentially read the tax code, read instructions, and really create new software for today. And the cool thing about it is, is tax software hasn't been changed in 30 years. So if you think about what we can do 
today versus what we did 30 years ago, the software is going to be very, very different. And we're going to be able to do a lot more things than we used to. So, so that's the exciting thing. It's one thing to do incremental change, but it's another thing to say, look, nothing's been changed in 30 years. And now I'm going to be part of the creator to figure out how to change it, which is exciting. And now that you're in the software space, if you like, and, and startups, it helps you to be a CPA because they understand business, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you can be a CPA and CPA can take you many places. And what I've realized is that, you know, CPAs just in general are pretty smart people. So add them to any task and they'll be able to figure it out. Well, tax is a very innovative world, as you're hinting at, and there's a lot of shaping regulation different ways of doing it, different technology all over the world. What excited you about the April opportunity? So a couple of years ago, it was funny. They came to me and they were doing research on it. And they were just asking me as a thought leader what I thought about the tax space and how they could come into the tax space. And I pretty much told them they were crazy. Like, why would they do it? Intuit's here. WK is here. Thompson is here. Why, why would you think you could disrupt it? Like the legacy vendors are here and they've been here for a long time. So then they're like, well, we're going to do some more research. And they went away. And then they came back to me last summer and they were telling me how they kind of had evolved their thought process. They said, well, this is how we're going to approach it. And they, they're coming at it from a fintech space. And I think that's the actual disruption. It's not tax software because tax software is just software. The disruption or the opportunity is really in the money movement. And if you think about it, tax returns, people have always sold off of tax returns, whether they be IRAs, whether they be refund anticipation loans like HR Block used to offer, whether it be like just get your money ahead of time. There's always been money movement attached to a tax return. It's just been in an offline world. And what April's trying to do or what April is going to do is going to take kind of that money movement, marry it with tax compliance and do it in a digital world. And so what I think is interesting about it is, is that it's new, but it's not new. And when I say that, meaning the idea of moving money around tax return has been done in a regular world for years. That's not anything new. The only thing that's new is it's now going to be connected to all these digital banks and all this fintech stuff, which is new. And um, taxes are the piece of fintech that have been missing. Everybody talks about fintech. It's funny because when you think about financial planning and wealth management, you can't do a holistic financial plan for a person without including their tax position. And yet we've been doing it in this disconnected world. And what April wants to do is to say, look, we're going to give you that tax plan piece and we're going to put it online in a connected world. And now regular, ordinary individual can look at their holistic financial plan because it'll be complete and April will be the tax piece of it compared connected to all your other banking. And you glanced on the term banking there. I just want to come back to that with you. We've certainly seen here in the UK, the challenge of banks where it's all on the app. The user experience is so much better. The high street bank has gone out of business. They're closing their hours. Nobody really wants to go into a bank anymore. So that space has been disrupted and changed. And presumably that gives you hope that the tax space can be similarly disrupted and changed. 100%. I mean, like we're starting with what neobanks, right? Like these challenger banks, banks that were born online. We're not going to brick and mortar. We're saying eventually we'll get to brick and mortar, but we're starting with the banks that were born online. And, you know, we're in the middle of a pilot. And basically our April app is embedded in a handful of banks and people are clicking on it and they're actually uploading all their information, which surprised me because I was like, are they really going to trust tax embedded within their banking app and give us their social security number, give us their, you know, their W-2s, all their information? 
for all the CPAs who say that their clients won't send them anything digitally, okay, that argument is lost at this point. <laughs> because here people are, they're just going into their digital bank and they're uploading all their information. We're doing the tax returns on the back end and we're proving the point that um, tax and banking apps go together and that there's a space there. And it's funny because we thought it, but when you actually see it happen and you see our metrics around it, you're like, damn, it's really working, which is mm. kind of cool. And if the pandemic's taught us anything, it's taught us that we can do this stuff remotely and virtually. Working from home, can we keep all of our clients' data at home on my laptop? Well, actually, we can. The data security now, the cybersec, that's all taken care of. We can do this safely and securely. We can share this information. That's why that argument for the CPAs who say, you know, their clients won't move to the cloud. Uh, yeah, right. Like... <laughs> It's not an argument. Sorry, you can't tell me that anymore because, you know, everybody and especially the pandemic accelerated. But even in the U.S., Joe, the, the, the American businesses are, are not famous for moving swiftly. Some of them. We know that CPAs still deal in checkbooks and signing checks and spreadsheets and things like that to a lesser degree here in the U.K. But the accounting profession is one that moves very slowly, certainly not as fast as fintech. But here's the thing. I think the important thing for the accountants to know about this, and I, and again, I think this is interesting because people are like, oh, well, it's consumer focused, you know, and I think the important thing is, is a 1040s, most accountants are choosing to get out of that space anyways, right? So we're not coming in and encroaching that way. But if we can create this tax engine that now becomes a real-time tax planning engine, then we can help professionals do their jobs better. And I think that comes back to this advisory and everything that everybody talks about. And we haven't really had the tools to do it. It's kind of hard um, because when we're so busy doing the work, it's hard to get your mind into advisory. You know, it takes, it's, you just only have so many hours in the day. But if you look at the disruption that's happening in the space with taxes and AI and all of that stuff, it's going to allow us to be better advisors, which means we as CPAs and accountants need to up our game and figure out what it is, how we sell it, and how we're going to deliver our services in the future, because automation truly is going to do a lot of the work that we used to do and that we used to like just be proud of. Like, oh, we did it. We got it done. Like that was like what we sold. Well, guess what? The automation is going to do that. So we better figure out as CPAs how we're going to up our game and what we're going to sell in the future. And you mentioned the disruptability of this space. There's some big incumbent providers that you hinted at, but there's different ways of funding these things. We've seen the emergence of private equity and venture capital into accounting firms and fintechs. Talk to us a little bit about what's happening there, Jody. I think that's another thing that maybe the whole, like the profession doesn't really see or understand is how much money is coming into the accounting space. And the reason the money's coming into the accounting space is because it hasn't been changed in 30 years, right? So <laughs> when nothing's changed in 30 years, now well, you automate it. 30 years, double entry bookkeeping has been like that for millions of years. So, right. It hasn't changed. So this, this private equity, this VC sees an opportunity to get in to update things and to essentially exit because money doesn't come in to stay. Like they're not coming into the accounting space to help accountants or like they're coming in because they believe there's an opportunity to make money and then they're going to exit and they're going to take their money and they're going to go to different space because that's what private equity does, right? But the thing about it is, is that most CPAs don't realize it's coming and by them not knowing it's coming, they're not even aware of how fast things are going to change because 
where there's money, there's opportunity for innovation. And I think that's what's been missing in our space for so long. So if you think about the accounting space as a whole, it's run by partners who take money out of their firms and spend it on themselves. They don't necessarily always reinvest it in the firm to make it better or into new innovation or technology to make it better. They just take it out and they spend it on themselves, right? They have nice cars. And I mean, <laughs> that's the way the partnership model works. It's a broken business model though, isn't it? Surely. But here's the thing. If you're used to that and you're always taking money out, you haven't done any innovation, right? So now money comes in, they have the opportunity to disrupt the space with innovation. And that old partner model had better figure out how they're going to adjust and adapt because the way they've done business forever, well, I would argue it's not even working today, but it's going to work less, you know, in the next three years, five years, right? Like I, I would hundred percent, it's not working today, but there are some people who say, oh, you know, I'm still profitable, blah, blah, blah. But I truly believe, you know, in five years, that model is just going to be gone. It can't sustain itself. No. And it's the innovation you're talking about that creates the added value, which is the uplift and the return on investment for the equity that comes in. And again, they don't come into our space because they want to help accountants. They're coming because they know that there's an opportunity for them to make money. Do you have any examples of deals that have been done on the software or the PE route that CPAs could perhaps learn from? Well, I think just if you look at even like April earning or like raising capital, right? Botkeeper raised capital. Carbon just raised a bunch of capital. So Carbon's practice management, right? Like Melio. Melio, right? There's all these tools that before I don't think anyone would have necessarily looked at. And now they're they're being looked at because they, they see the opportunity. And then with even in firms, uh, many of our bigger firms in the US are doing deals with private, private equity where basically private equity is coming in and they're splitting off like the advisory part from the CPA part. And they're, um, they're buying out partners is really what they're doing. Because so if you think about it too, Part of it is, is these partners, they want to retire, they want to do something, and where's their value in their firms because the next gen doesn't really want to put their money into it or like evolve it. So now private equity comes in kind of as that management company and really kind of turns it around and manages it, which if you think about firms and the broken business model, it's just coming to a head because there's all these partners who are boomers and they need to go somewhere. Right. And the next gen isn't necessarily wanting to take them over. And if you're like a, a mid-sized firm, where do you go? You can either go up and get less or you have to have your employees take it over. And most employees aren't. Well, the partners would argue they're not ready to take it over. I would argue the partners haven't prepared them to take it over. So where are they going to go? So now here's an opportunity for private equity money to come in, kind of uh, restructure that firm and make it more profitable and give the partners a little bit of a buyout, right? So um, as opposed to, I don't know if in, in the UK it works like this, but in the US, basically when mergers happen in partnerships, all they do is trade equity. There's no cash coming out of it, but when private equity comes into the space, those partners actually get a little bit of capital too. It's not just equity trading for equity. And the accounting firms are now being asked to be run more like commercial businesses rather than professional practices. And that's a more entrepreneurial mindset that the PE uh, people are looking for, they want that return, they want them more properly run. And that does break up the business model. And I think employees like it too, honestly. I think not everybody wants to be a partner. Not everybody wants to grow up to like not have a life. 
Um, <laughs> but if you think of it as a regular corporation or a regular kind of job, now there's an opportunity for people who really just want to be technical, to be technical and have a place in a firm, to do what they like best in their career path and not be forced that, oh my God, I have to be a partner or I'm a loser. And that sounds kind of harsh, but I think there are a lot of people sitting in managerial seats who feel like, oh, I have to be partner or, you know, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And yet they really shouldn't be partner and they would be just as happy or staying where they are if they had their own career progression and a, a space for them. Whereas in the business model today, it's like, if you don't make it to partner then you're not, you know, then you didn't make it. And it shouldn't be like that because there are lots of accountants doing lots of good things that don't have to be partners. So what advice would you give to firms to compete a little bit better in today's marketplace? Any actionable steps for them, Jody? Um, stop billing by the hour, stop yeah. keeping time, right? Can I just like, stop doing what you've been doing for hundreds of years, right? Stop doing all that. But no, I think really, and this is what I wrote about in my book is figure out how to productize your service offerings, right? So that's essentially what cloud accounting is. It's just a productized service offering where basically you take a handful of components, you create a deliverable about, around it, and you put some sort of technical skill set on top of it and you sell it. Right. So if you think about monthly bookkeeping, that's a productized service offering. Right. So why can't you do that with tax planning? Why can't you do that with some sort of audit advisor? You can do it with anything. You just have to take the right components, create your deliverables and sell it in a recurring revenue manner. And that makes your firm that much more valuable, which, again, cracks me up, because if you think about it, who does typical valuations? CPA firms yet they haven't figured out that the value of their firm would be worth more if it had a reoccurring revenue component to it. Like, what am I missing? <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it frustrates me because I, I, I keep thinking like, I know like these guys are really smart. Like they didn't get to where they are because they're not smart, but yet there seems to be lots of things that I don't know, many people see so clearly and yet they don't see it as being a problem. And maybe it's because it's their own, right? Like it's hard to see things when it's your own. You just think they'd start to see the writing on the wall. And Jody, you're beautifully positioned with one foot in the, the fintech world with April and one foot in the CPA world. How much is the technology and the software driving what is happening in accounting firms? <laughs> I think software is a component of it, but quite honestly, a lot of firms could just be changed if they unified their processes, even take out the technology, which again, because firms haven't changed in so long, part of it is, is they accepted everything that walked in their door. They never standardized anything. They never standardized their processes. So if they would just standardize their process, they would get huge productivity gains, then put on technology and then they would actually make a difference. If you just insert technology on the firm today and you don't go back and you think about those business processes, all you're doing is paying for expensive tech and a broken business. You're just doing all the wrong processes faster, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. And so I think part of it is because like people think, oh, tech is going to solve all their problems. Tech is not going to solve your problems. You have to fix your business first then apply the right technology so you get to the end result you want. People think that technology is the be all end all and it's not. At the end of the day, you really have to like think about your business as a whole and figure out what business works and then add the technology to the pieces that need it. Yeah, I like that holistic thinking. And I'm just going to ask you to finish with uh, perhaps some words of advice for firms to be more future facing and holistic in their advice to the clients. Because ultimately, this is all about benefiting the clients, isn't it? But just while you think about that, if people want to have a conversation with you, you Jody, and find out more about the great stuff you do, what's a good way for them to reach you? 
So the easiest way to find me is just on LinkedIn and you can just go to LinkedIn, Jody Paydar and follow me or friend me there and um, reach out, send me a message, whatever. I'm happy to talk to everyone. I'm not like, I'm not snobby like that. Right. No, you're not. You will talk to anyone and you will talk and you've got loads of great things to say. This has been wonderful. So leave us and the accounting practitioners listening and even the fintech people that support the accountants with some words of advice to serve better, serve the clients, serve the customers, think more holistically and even be a bit more confident about it because a lot of this is in the mind, isn't it? Oh, it's 100% in the mind. And I think a lot of it is just get started, right? So if you think about, um, I think there are a lot of firm owners who are just overwhelmed and so they don't do anything, right? It's like they're deer in headlights. You just got to start. And uh, the FinTech people are there to help you. Like they want you to adopt new technologies. They want to help you. So, you know, ask them for help if you need help. And I, I would argue that probably most of the vendors in our space want to help the firms. They're not just there to sell something. They know that these are long-term relationships and they're willing to help you get to where you need to be in your firm and to help you find the tools to make it work. But Jody, let me ask you, how many vendors consult accountants in writing and creating software that's going to serve those accountants? Do they involve the CPAs in the R&D process? I think most of them do, actually. I think there are quite a few that do engage. I mean, you can even look at some of the, the tools in the U.S. now that are 100% CPA firm built, right? So like Flowcast, right? Like they, they pride themselves on being by CPAs for CPAs. Botkeeper has a ton of CPAs on their team, right? Um, April, we're building it with CPAs. So like <laughs> there are a lot of technology companies that do like CPAs and we'll use them. There are also technology companies that use them as like service, like, or as um, research and development, right? They ask them questions. They like them. Uh, they, they find out what they need as testers. Um, but again, as a CPA, you have to be willing to give them your opinions and tell them what's important to you too, because you can't just say, oh, it's broken and walk away. Like, or, oh, it doesn't work for me. Goodbye. Like if you're not going to step up and help these vendors create the software that you want, then how can you complain about it? Because it doesn't work because they're not mind readers. And if you don't help them figure it out, how are, how are, how are we as a whole, as a profession, including the vendors, the CPAs, anyone who serves CPAs or accountants, how are we all going to move forward together if we're sitting in different hallways and not talking to each other? That's so true. It's the BMWs, the bitches, moaners, and whiners that are always complaining, but they don't have any constructive suggestions to make it better, do they? 100%. And the other thing is, is too, is don't be so, I guess, not open to things. Because if you think about it, a lot of times when you think about innovation, they do something completely different. And the CPAs will be like, sorry, I can't do that. You have to come to the table with some idea that things are going to change. The way you do your job is going to change a little bit, but like take a minute and learn it and see if it could work in your life. Not just like be like, oh, I can't do that because, you know, we don't do things like that in my firm, which seems to be too often of the response. That's a strong call to arms. Jody Peter, that's been wonderfully insightful and extremely entertaining. Thanks so much for your thoughts today. Shout out to one of our newest commercial partners, it's Practice Ignition. How would you explain what those guys do? Businesses such as accounting and bookkeeping firms use Practice Ignition to one, help them grow, 
two be more efficient, and three, create win-win client relationships. How global are these guys? There are nearly 5,000 accounting and professional services firms around the world who use practice ignition, and they do so to win new business with impressive digital proposals. They engage clients with a clear scope of work and get paid on time by automating payment collection. PI integrates with the leading business apps such as Gusto, QuickBooks, Xero, Zapier, and it does so to automate time-consuming tasks, allowing the practitioner to run their practice on autopilot and automate time-consuming tasks such as client onboarding or invoicing. 91% of their customers spend less time creating proposals and chasing signatures and payments. 87% were able to cancel other software subscriptions and 80% are fewer or no unpaid invoices at any given time. That's amazing. So if you're in the US, we'd say, say hello to zero accounts receivable. If you're in the UK, we'd say impressions that last payments made fast. And if you're in Australia, we'd say first impressions that win new business every time. For the entire world, the bottom line is that you can get to use PI right now. We've got a special offer from our PI partners. Use the code AIR21 to receive 25% off all plans for your first six months. Info.ignitionapp.com forward slash AIP for counter influencers.